0: Welcome to the Basin Church Podcast, and as a church, our mission is to bring hope and wholeness through Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are and as you listen today, we hope that you find hope in Jesus and even move one step closer to being made whole. See, the question I want to ask you today is this, are you a person of love? See, and if I'm honest, in answering this question, I would say no. And the reason you might say no and the reason why I might say no is because we followed a different model of love. See, I I love basketball, but then I also say I love my wife. And how can that be? I don't really love basketball the way I love my wife. I don't love my wife like I love anything, and I don't love basketball the way I love anything else. But what we tend to do is we verbalize Point what we verbalize. It points us to an idea or a way of love. But it's not the true meaning. See, we say things like this. He has the love for the game. It was love at first sight. She is the love of his life. And I would love a cup of coffee. Now, each one of those phrases doesn't give us a great view of love. It just gives us one that is skewed. See, all of those point to some type of definition of love. And those phrases have to do with being passionate, having an intense feeling, a deep affection for something, or a romantic connection with someone. And none of us really help us for a quest for love. But the model has infiltrated our relationships. And There comes a point in a relationship where one would ask the simple question, or where they would like to prove This simple question. Do you love me? See, there's this idea that when you are in a relationship, that there are steps to show and prove to somebody that you love them. And if you love that person, what do you do? You take the next step. It is a moment of when you're waiting to get married. The girl's thinking to herself, it's been more than enough time. It's not only been months, but it's been years, in fact. So is he going to ask me? And then what happens if it if it doesn't take place, there's questions that start to formulate in your head. Am I not the one? Does he have cold feet? And they're thinking, well, let's get on with it. I mean, how much time does he really need? See, the girl wants him to prove his love and to go to the next step. If someone in the relationship doesn't want to do it, then it's either going to be miserable or the relationship's going to be over. But this kind of question arises when we don't understand how each of us gives and receives love. See, a parent could be affectionate with their child, yet the child would want gifts and receives love by gifts. It's their way of receiving love, but on a special occasion or not, they're getting gifts, but they're getting more hugs and kisses. Because their parents give and receive love by physical touch. How about the husband who spends most of his time with his wife? And he's a quality time guy and he's thinking, this is great. But she doesn't receive love that way. She might be thinking, I wish he might do something around the house because she's an act of service. Or I wish he would affirm me with his words. But anytime we don't understand the way others receive love, we keep missing it. And that leads us to wonder, do they really love me? So the question, are you a person of love, is probably not the best question to ask. The better question is, can you become a person of love? And the great news is that you can. And if we want to know and understand Love, we need to go deep and find it at its source. Now John, who was a disciple of Jesus, knew where the source came from and even wrote about this subject. And as he writes these Gospels, he wants people to understand love. And he wants people to get it. And not just his readers, but he wants the people around him to get it because he understood it, he lived it, and so he wrote about it. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to open up to 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to talk about this idea of true love in the form of biblical love and how you can become, if you pursue this, then you can become a person of love. And so John in chapter 4, verse, uh, excuse me, John chapter 4, there it is, now you can see, look at that. John chapter 4, verse, verse. Uh, where am I? Verse 7, here we go. First John 4, verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and what? Knows God. Okay, so everyone who loves God, it comes from God. So let us love one another because it loves. It comes from God. So basically he's saying, if you love God, then you'll what? Be someone who loves other people. You will show love. So you are born of, of God if you love. Now, we said this last week, and if you were not here last week, let me just give you a refresher. There's a difference between being a creation of God and a child of God. Okay, all of us shout out and we say, oh, well, he's a child of God and she's a child of God and I'm a child of God. And we just throw that term around like nobody's business. And the reality is, John says, there's a difference. There's a difference between being a creation and a child. Not everyone's a child. Everyone's a creation, but not everyone's a child. And so he says that if you love, you are a child of God, and that you belong to God. And basically, in a nutshell, is the only way you move from creation to child is that you have to have a relationship with jesus that when you accept what he's done for you when you put your trust and your faith in him you move from just being a creation of god because god created ultimately all humanity you move into the child of god you belong to god okay so now you're thinking well that's just that's hard to wrap your mind around because we've thrown this word out all the time, and, and you think about it, when John says this, he says, Well, if you love, then you belong to God. And some of you are thinking, Well, I've seen people who are creations and people who are outside the church that love. And they love pretty well. So, what is he talking about here? And for some of us, we would say, from our experiences, not always, but we would say that people outside the faith sometimes love better than people inside the faith or of the faith and you're going well how how can that be see because man has the capacity and ability to love so what gives john the the right to make this bold statement he makes this bold statement because we understand god's love differently okay god's love is different than how we understand it now let me put it in terms of of this okay okay It's different in comparison to human love. And why God's love is different from human love. Okay, we we are our love is motivated, it's noble, okay. Our love shows affection, it does all this. But what God's love and how we cannot compare to God's love is is a couple things, but let me just tell you the main one. The main one is this: our love does not have saving power. Your love cannot heal someone, bring them the wholeness. Your love cannot restore someone into a relationship with your Heavenly Father. It's not. So the love of God restores, redeems, has the saving power, the saving grace that can bring someone into a right relationship with himself. So when he says this, he's saying you belong to God, but there's a difference between how we love and how God loves. So there's no comparison. God's love is completely different. And then he goes on to verse 8, and here's what he says. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And here's what he would say in verse 8. He says that a person who lacks love shows that he is indeed not from God or does not belong to God. Now, let me put it in terms of this. It is almost impossible for one to come into a relationship with God and not be transformed into a loving person. i say that again. It is almost impossible for someone to come into a relationship with a loving God and not be transformed into a loving person. Now, one of the authors that I've, I've recently, um, over the last few years I have read, is by the name of Bob Goff. And not because he lives in San Diego, but Bob Goff is somebody I aspire to be like. Because if anybody gets love right, it's this guy. And he wrote a book, and he's he's written several books on love. And in this, here's what the one he says in, in his book, Everyone Always. And basically, it's loving everyone always. And what I love about Bob is he doesn't just say it. He lives it. And so here's what he says in the book. He says this, love isn't something you fall into. Think about that for a second. Love isn't something you fall into. It's something you become. Think about that for a moment, because what do we say? Well, I just fell in love, and then now I'm out of love. And Bob says, no, that's not how it works. You become a person of love. You don't fall in and out of love. You become that person. And we become that person how? By the transformation work of the Holy Spirit. The only way you can become that, that is by God transforming you over a process in a period of time. So if you want to, it's not falling into love, you become a person of love. So God shapes you. He molds you into what he wants you to be. And as he, as he does this, he begins to do something great. And if you, if you, so he says, if you don't love, then you're not from God and you don't belong from God. But if you are somebody who is from me, then you what? Love, because I'm working on you. I'm transforming you. I'm becoming, making you become a person of love. So then, when you talk about God, and in, in, we'll go in here in a second, but verse 8, after he says that, when you talk about God, there's two things in regards to God. God is spirit, God is life, God is love. Now, when you talk about God is spirit, you're talking about a supernatural being, supernatural who he is. But when you talk about God is life and God is love, What you're talking about is the natural characteristics of who he is. But here's what happens when we get the characteristics of of God. There are some of us who think God is two different gods. See, we view God as two different gods. We view him as the God of the Old Testament. And we view him as the God of the New Testament. And so when, you, when people do is they look in the old part of the, the Scripture and they look at God and they say, man, what a merciless, angry God. He's destroying people and he hates people. And then you look in and Jesus comes and you go, man, this guy's full of grace and mercy and love. And then you wonder to yourself, you go, how are these two people related? And for some of you, you know what you want? You want the New Testament God to show up when you mess up. You don't want the Old Testament God to show up, do you? So what happens is we view God in this totally different... But listen, God doesn't change. God is the same. And so when you look at the Scripture, God does everything out of love. And believe it or not, when, and I'll explain this in a second, this is kind of a side note. If you look at some of the things and the people He destroyed, if you go back to Genesis... It said God gave some of these people 400 years to change their ways. A gracious, loving God. You still see it in the Old Testament. He gives them a chance. So anyways, side note. So when you, when you think about two, two different gods, He isn't two different gods. He does everything, like I said, out of love and out of action. And when you see what He does, you begin to see His personality. And you see the person and the work of who He is. And you get the full extent of who God is. So all of that, now you jump down. So God is not two gods. Everything he does out of love. If you love, you belong to God. Now he goes down to verse 9 and 10. And John just doesn't stay, stay deep and, oh, I'm going to stay deep. No, he begins to show you the love of God in your life. In verse 9, here's what he says. He says, this is how God showed his amazing love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Verse 10 this is love not that we've loved god but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins now he, john gives us an example in verse 9 and 10 the proof that god loved us he sent jesus and he uses these words to make a declaration of his love for us just like he did in his previous writings in john chapter 3 verse 16 right for god so loved the world he Gave, But there are times that when we read this Scripture and we kind of just kind of glance over one and only Son, You kind of glance over, you've heard it, I understand it, and you glance over it. But I want you to think it in terms of this, how important this is. When we create something, when you create something, when man creates something, it doesn't automatically come into the, the nature of the being of the man, does it? It's lifeless, right? You create a statue, you create a painting, you, you do something, it's lifeless. There's there's no life to it. But when you look at when God, when He creates something, there's life to something. There's His likeness, there's His being. And so what, what God does is He sends Jesus in His likeness, the very nature of who He is, to the world. Sends Himself to the world. And so He goes to the cross and says, what? He dies that we might live through him. So he dies the most horrible, gruesome death, sacrificially, for you and I, and it's a benefit to everybody. And that's what John is is explaining here. And he would say that, and when you look at the Scripture, you look at verse 9 and verse 10, he'd say this, that sending Jesus was true love. And that real agape, the Greek term is agape love, is not defined by our love for God, but His love for us. Think about this. He sent Him for you and I to forgive us for what we've done. It's because of Adam and Eve's choice that the relationship was broken. Now, any time a relationship is broken... If you've done wrong, what do you have to do? Make it right. So the offender has to go make it right. So if I tick off someone in my family, who's got to say they're sorry first? Me. Or at least that's how it should be. Correct? But that's not how God operates. See, we break, we break the, the relationship. And who, who initiates it? God. God. Who makes the move first? God. We can't do anything on our own. He initiates it and brings us back to relationship. And when he says he sent Jesus, that's the true form of love. That I loved you so much that I'm willing to send my one and only son to die for you to pay the most gruesome death, so I can have a right relationship with you. And he does that. And so listen, would any of you die for someone who doesn't deserve it? No. None of us would take a bullet for someone who's a criminal, someone who doesn't deserve our life, but yet Jesus dies for people who are against him, who are sinners, who directly oppose him and the things of him, and he dies for them because he loves them that much. He loves us that much, so that's why he did that. And and he continues... So as he talks about his love, and he goes in verse 11, and he wants us to do this. He commands us to love this way. Here's what he says in verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love what? One another. And basically what he's saying in verse 11 is this, that if you've experienced God, that it should move you to love other people. And John doesn't understand. if you. He's saying if you have experienced the love of God in your life, then it should move you to love other people around you. And that's what he, he begins to say. But the thing about us is that our love is this, that we experience from God doesn't necessarily cause us to love him back in return. But it should place us on a course of action to love other people. And that's what he begins to say this. And even though... It's limited believers that we should love believers in this context. I believe God says you need to love everyone. Because why? For God so loved the world. Because God's love isn't exclusive. I mean, it is exclusive. It isn't. He died for everybody. There's no, just, it's not this club. He died for everyone. And so. As John begins to write this and he wants his readers to understand this, here's what he knows. And here's what he experienced. John walked with Jesus. He saw Jesus. He watched him model love. And John in turn lived a life of love. He said, oh, that, that's Jesus and I follow this guy and I've seen him. I'm going to do what he's done. And so he lives that life. He writes about this love. And so what John wants his readers to gather, what he wants you and I to gather is this, that Jesus' model to love motivates us to love. See, Jesus' model to love, of love, excuse me, motivates us to love. That if we see the way Jesus loved, that should be your motivator to love. If, if you if call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then if I follow Jesus then I model my life after Jesus. And if Jesus loves that way, then I should love that way. But here's the problem. We have a problem modeling our life because we've lived differently than the way Jesus lived. Let me explain that for a second. Jesus was around people who were nothing like Him. There were people who directly opposed Him. There were people who, that were labeled outcast, and Jesus came and spent time with them. There was people who argued with him. There were people maybe who followed him, and they were on the fringes. Maybe never stepped and said, I had faith in Jesus and who he is, but they just followed. But there was something captivating about Jesus and what he did and how he walked on this earth. Something drew people to Him. There's a lot of things. But I think one of the things is how He loved. He loved people. When you saw Him touch people, when you saw Him touch the outcasts, or invite someone, I'm going to your house, someone who was placed on the outskirts and and was despised by others, Jesus went and spent time with. And see, nothing could prevent you from Jesus loving you didn't matter what social status didn't matter your health didn't matter who you are your allegiance to the Roman government or not it didn't matter he loved you and sometimes that love would even go to people and touch them so much that their heart would be transformed why all because of his love See, but for you and I, we call ourselves Christians, and if you look at Jesus' life, you're thinking, there's no way I can even come close to that, because I don't even know if I want to be around people who are nothing like me. And we look at it, and we think it's overwhelming, and we think it's tough to love people, and it is because of some of the hurts and the pains and how people oppose us and all that other stuff. But And it might feel overwhelmed. But here's what I know. Anywhere in life where you feel overwhelmed, whether you're starting a project, where you're cleaning up something, whatever it is, what do you do? You start somewhere and you take one step at a time. If you need to clean up a mess, you just pick a spot and you take one step and start to do that. If you're in a process of building something, You start somewhere, you go step by step by step. So what's the first step that we can take to becoming a person of love? Well, it's this. You love the way Jesus loved. No matter how difficult it is, you love the way Jesus loved. That the same measure that God loved us, with that same measure, we love other people. We love other people. And so... As he begins to to say this, and for you and I, it's 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 really this. It's not gonna be any easier just because we know that. Well, yeah, I'm supposed to follow Jesus and model my life after Jesus and love like Jesus. It doesn't make any it doesn't make it any easier, does it? Just because I know that. Because here's why. Two things. One, because the loving the way Jesus loved is countercultural. It's not normal. Being around someone is not normal who is nothing like you. That's not normal. But we tend to do this. We tend to do what, what is best for us and not what is best for others. See, some of us can't love because we're constantly focusing on ourselves and not other people. And what I mean by that is, is for some of you, maybe you've been here and you've, you've given to people... Said, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll give to you. I'll I'll help you out. I'll do this. And then finally, you come to the point where you're like, I'm done. I got to start thinking about myself and my life and what makes me happy. It's, you know, and you're shifting from your self centeredness. I mean, from actually from selflessness to your self centeredness. And it shifts. And then all of a sudden, your agenda takes the front seat. I think, what in the world? And it goes from, we-centered to what? Me-centered. And the reason why we can't love the way Jesus loved is because we're so focused on our needs, our wants, and our desires. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong once in a while, but what I'm saying is is that becomes your mindset and that becomes your agenda and that becomes your purpose for living is living for yourself. Then there's a problem. And here's the other thing. It's hard to love love the way Jesus loved because of this. Because it's easy to love those who are lovable compared to those who are unlovable. See, it's easy for me to hang out with my friends and people I gel with, people I love. And it's easy for you, isn't it? It's easy for all of us. But it's, it's more difficult and challenging to be around someone and to love them the way Jesus loved if they're nothing like you. See, there's people that we would say, I don't even gel with that person. I don't want to hang out with that person. And you expect me to show them love. And the other thing is we have people in our lives, right? people who put us in a bad mood, people who disagree with us constantly, and people who just irritate us. And people who are not trustworthy. And those people make it easy not to love, right? I'll just love the people who like me already. I don't, I don't need any of that. But see, that's not what Jesus was all about. That's not how he lived. It's not who he was. He loved everyone. The outcasts. People who are nothing like him. People who are opposed to him. He loved. And so how do you love the way Jesus wants you to love? Because I can tell you this, right now, there's some of you in this room, that there's someone in your life that makes it challenging for you. There's somebody in your life that right now is making your life miserable. And you're having a hard time with it. They irritate you. They've hurt you. They mistreated you. That you don't gel with. They always put you in a bad mood, and you're constantly around them, and you don't want. To love them, you don't even like them. So how do I love someone like that? It could be a coworker, It could be a family member. It could be someone close. I don't care who it is. There's somebody who's making a challenge in your life today. So how do I love the way Jesus has asked me to love? The better question is this. What does love require of you? What does love require of you in regards to that person? I'll tell you what it requires. You know what it requires? It requires you to do this, and I'll just read it to you. It requires you to be self-sacrificing and love unconditionally. It requires you to love those who bother you each and every day, to lay aside the conditions you put on them and choose to forgive. It causes you to make the first move and to initiate restoration. Love requires you to love despite their failures and their flaws. And love requires you to act in a manner that says you matter most. That's what the love of Jesus requires of you. That's what God requires of you if you're going to be a person of love. And then John would, would go on to verse 12, and he would say, he finally he'd say this. In verse 12, he says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, He lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. And so God is seen in us by the way we love. See, people were like, oh, I've seen God, or... Oh, I've seen that like this manifestation, or and back then maybe there's some stuff that was happening, and people would say, "No, no, no I've seen God, I've seen Him, I've seen Him," and John says, no, "No, no, 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 that's not how you see God." He says, "You see Him when you love one another, because when we begin to love people, the love of God is revealed through our love, and when you love God, people experience the love of God, and the love of God is made." Complete in us. See, the greatest evidence, listen to this the greatest evidence that God is working in your life is love. Think about that for a moment. The greatest evidence of God working in your life is love. When you talk about that and you think about that, people think that the evidence of God moving in your life, sometimes they say, is power. True. Sometimes they say that He exhibits some feelings with inside of you. And, and people have their whole idea of what the greatest evidence of God in your life. Now, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus at times felt weak and didn't feel very powerful. But He was full of love. There was times where Jesus didn't Initiate these great feelings in people. But he was still full of love. And everywhere Jesus went, he was full of love. He was also full of what? Truth and grace. And people saw it and people experienced it. And when people saw the love of God by him being sent down, they understood the work of of God in his life. And the greatest thing that people will see in your life, that they know that you're a follower of Jesus, is your love. Not love for people you get along with, but everyone in general. See, if we begin to love this way, here's what's going to happen. People are going to see our lives, and they're going to see that there's something different inside of us. And in turn, they might just want what we have. If you love the way Jesus loves, let me tell you this, you're going to turn some heads. People are going to think you're a little crazy, because it's countercultural. it's not normal. The way Jesus loves and the way God, it's not normal. But here's what I want you to think about. It might not be normal, but we can do it, and we can strive to be it. And loving people can be difficult. Let me tell you why it's difficult. Because people are messy. People are messy. They got problems. I got problems. And some of us don't want to wade in that problems. And some of us don't want to get in the mess, do we? But love says, I'm going to wade in your mess. And I'm going to love you unconditionally. Despite your failures, failures, Your flaws your insecurities, I'm going to love you and I'm committed to you. See, that's what it's like. And John says we can do that and we can do that and we can strive as the Holy Spirit transforms our lives. Now here's what I I want you to get as I wrap up. It's this. Loving the way God loves, you can achieve it by this. Okay, You can achieve it by being close or, or in tune with your Heavenly Father. And I, the other term I put is, by abiding in Him. The way loving others, like Jesus, is achieved by abiding in Him. Now what I mean by that is, you have to stay connected to Him. Get that? You have to stay connected to Him. That means, we've talked about this last week, or last month, that you have to put your Heavenly Father's relationship First, the only way I understand the heart of God is to spend time with him. I converse with him. I make a daily devotion. I begin to pray. I begin to be what? A disciple of Jesus. And I abide in him. I'm connected to him. And when I'm connected with God, guess what? I understand his heart and I begin to understand what he wants to do in my life and through my life. And he'll show me the people I need to love. And he'll work on me so I can become a person of love. But that only happens is if you are connected with your Heavenly Father each and every day. So here's the question. What if we were to love the way Jesus loved and love differently today? What would happen? What would our life look like? What would it look like for that person who has Bothers you. Who is unlovable. Who has made you mad this week. Who is causing problems in your life today. And God would do something great in and through our lives. And people might see, they, they would see the love of God and they might even what? Experience the love of God. Because Jesus' model of love what? Motivates us to love. So I want you to begin and I want to begin. And we want to be church that shows people love. Because that's the way they can come into a relationship with their Heavenly Father. Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information on our church, or you'd like to visit us in person, you can go to basinchurch.org. And as always, we hope this content helps you on your faith journey.